And I think that a gen- being a gentleman is a virtue, right? It's like a trait, a disposition from men to women. Uh, and if you think about what is the what is the cultural narrative right now, it's an overemphasis that men and women there there should be less and less of a distinguishing difference between yeah, the two. That's true. And when you say that there is a there is no longer a distinguishing difference, then you remove the opportunity to be a virtuous man towards women. Why should I open the door if it's not if, if a woman should be treated no different? Why should I, you know, walk on the side of the street and put her on the inside to keep her safe? Why should I make sure that they are cared for, that they get their food first, et cetera? Et cetera, et cetera. When you remove that narrative that we are created as men to care for, to admire, to hold up and esteem women in our lives, mm. then all of a sudden you lose the virtue of being a gentleman. And I think that's what's happening in society today. Welcome to the Living Waters. Did you or did you not, Ray Comfort segment? Where we ask Ray Comfort if he did or <laughs> he did not. I've been waiting to hear this. Ray Comfort. What happened? Did you or did you not once sleep in your hotel room bathtub when traveling oh, for dentistry? How did you remember that? <laughs> I remember everything I threw about all you. the stuff from my bed into the Why? bathtub. Because the guy Pray I talked with me snored like a train. Wait a minute. I've traveled with you for years. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't you. No, this is a guy named Ken. Really nice guy. But Ken he it, it was not, you know, this is a snore. His was... <laughs> it was one of those. It was driving me crazy. So the only way I get away from it, got in the bathtub, woke up, terrible night. I had to preach the next day. Ray, hold on, Sunday. hold on, hold on, stop. Yeah. So you've told this story before, but I must investigate. Like you actually <laughs> literally slept in the bathtub. It's common sense. Maybe that's why the hole in your bed so comfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's what led to the I hole threw, in your I, bed. I, I, oh, wait, never mind. I, <laughs> you know it was sideways. <laughs> no, I just threw the bed clothes from the bed into the tub. It was, it was good sleep. You I actually, just kept the tap turned off. He probably had a great night's sleep. Yeah, yeah. no, he, that's what I was going to say. I get up in the morning just feeling terrible, got to preach, and Ken says... Great sleep. It was just awful. Oh, seriously, Ray. and I couldn't mention anything to him. All the neighbors knew about it for sure. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't like make that a new habit of your life. Like, hey, bathtubs are the best for sleep. Actually, it's pretty safe, isn't it? You could toss and turn without falling out of the bed. Look, he's actually considering Sleeping it now. Through a hurricane. Ah, yeah. And also, if you want to drink in the night, you just lean back, open your mouth, <laughs> hot or cold, coffee or no coffee. You, yeah, you wake up in the morning. You don't even have to leave the bathtub. Just shower. <laughs> <laughs> just go for your on to something here. And you can wash your, wash your clothes, too. Yeah, oh, no, I feel true. a new book coming on. <laughs> the next time we go to his house, he's going to replace his bed with a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, okay, let, let's take a survey here. Uh, I know you snore, Ray. Uh, do you, you guys snore, Mark and Oscar? Um, my wife says I do. Yeah. And my kids and my neighbors say I do. And the people <laughs> in other states say I do. But, um, yeah, I think I, I do a little bit. Yeah. But not as much as my wife. <laughs> oh, Mark, don't say that on a podcast. He's terrible, Mark. No, I, I, she, she's actually great. I, I, she, she's, she's great. I, 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 obviously, I, I, con- I, 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 smitten I, I, by conscience. Bring yep. us, Mark, bring us a recording of Laura's My father was a terrible snorter. <laughs> you mean you didn't get it good? It was just... 
<laughs> An incompetent snorer. There's <laughs> a semi-snore. Take classes to improve your snoring skills. Oscar, you I snore? don't snore. No. Kelly says every Every man will proclaim his own goodness. No, every now and then when I'm really tired, I will snore. But all she needs well, you do snore. So you do snore, but not regularly. I'm not a snorer. Self-righteous. Oh come on! How many lies you talk? Kelly's just probably a nice wife. That's all. The horrible thing about snoring is the road tunnel. Mouth is open. It's horrible. I've been getting, as you guys know, I have the gift of sleeping on airplanes, (laughs) which Ray loathes. Mark, you can't sleep very well. It's actually a jealous. I can't if I could lay down on the pass out. Yeah, Yeah. but but I I just have the gift. I don't know what it is. I've traveled so much. I can just sit in my chair and just fall asleep. Mm -hmm. But I've become self conscious now because I know I have snored because my wife's traveled with me and she's had to wake me up. Yeah, but the seven seven forty seven engines couldn't be heard. (laughs) (laughs) But it is. I mean, it's embarrassing because I know you know my mouth will be propped open and of course at people next to me and hearing me snore yeah your wife put the whole meal in your mouth while you sleep <laughs> that's why i woke up full <laughs> no but lately a couple of times because that's that's maybe it's god's mercy that we can't hear ourselves snore i'm sure there are men that probably vow Wake themselves up well they vow they've never snored that's oscar um <laughs> if you that's ever true. if you're I working yourself like up snoring well oh, that's what i was gonna say it's the Re- snort the one snort. recently a couple of times i've heard like like a nanosecond of like, and it's like, oh, what do you I, mean? I must have been it's snoring. It's more like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like where I wake up, but I must have been snoring. Mm-hmm. You hear the last one. It's echoing, yeah. bouncing off the roof. I have sleep apnea. You guys I, I have so, that too. It's quite fun. Well, you feel as though you're going to die just for get to sleep? <laughs> Can I just say, your poor wife, Easy, between oh. your night terrors and your sleep snoring? <sighs> Hang on, the sleep apnea, which you just glossed over. Sleep apnea is, apnea is horrific. I no. figured out how to stop it. <laughs> no, no, not another hey, bug. I dug a hole in my pillow. Hey, just <laughs> sleep apnea, Ray. Just delete it off your phone. <laughs> sleep it apnea. sounds like something Darwin um, thought of. Yeah, but it's Rachel filmed me one time, and I went. I think, I think it was like over a minute without without breathing. Couldn't be that long. A minute. I think so. Yeah, you were a having a dream about swimming. <laughs> no, it's you, you just don't you stop breathing just before you go to sleep. I do it all the time. It's, because it's very common. The the skin in the back of your throat or something. It just like yeah, I don't mean, know. You well, I put on one of those plastic mouth guards and it fixed it. Well, I use one, but it doesn't. Yeah, but is, is it eight inches like mine? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did it really fix it? It really did. Where'd you get the night guard? I don't know, from a night store. I don't know. <laughs> the night guard store? <laughs> yeah, he's, got, he's, he's, got, he's got a just, night guard guy. You don't just, know. You, just, you, you just look on, the internet, on Amazon or whatever, plastic mouth guard. Does it move your... Does it move your chin forward? Yeah, it change, changes. It, well, in my mouth it does. Your mouth it wouldn't do a thing. <laughs> I have one you could borrow. <laughs> the, the one, one from the garage from the sale? Hand, so <laughs> from the garage sale night guard with your dentures. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah, weird things happen in the night, man. For you. Weird things happen in the night. Um, There's a book title. Wait, did I ever share this story? About yes. yes, we're talking yeah, I remember that one. I'm sick of it. No. It's game changer. The one with Luke... When Rachel was, uh, when Luke was a newborn baby? Oh, I got to share. He snowed yeah, the, yeah, you, yes, go ahead. I did? I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I can't remember if I'll I was on the podcast. Do it again. Nah, nah, I'll skip it. Um, oh, that's great. Now you made it worse. <laughs> no, you guys know. If you, you, you think I've, you think Give I've shared it? Give us a clue. It? I don't know if it's been on the podcast oh, or not. There's but I, listeners okay. who want to know. <laughs> okay. no, just right. do it. So, Rachel, uh, Luke was a newborn baby and she was nursing him in bed. 
And uh, elephant nipple cow. All, no, not that one. All of a sudden, I get into one of my night terror modes. But you have to understand that this was not a hypothetical. This was not, I think, this was not maybe. In my mind, Rachel fell asleep on our newborn baby, suffocated him, and my son, oh. my firstborn son, Luke, is dead. There was no, it wasn't like this was a reality because my brain's telling me I'm awake and I just discovered this. So probably like two in the morning at the top of my lungs, Three times, like at the th- so. What did that lead to, Rachel? Ah! And what did that lead to, Luke? Ah! All three the of poor us neighbors screaming at the top of our lungs in the middle of the night. Easy, you're a psychologist's dream. Seriously, they would yeah, love no, to have yeah. you on the couch and say, "I want to get oh, into this." Break. I could, I could still feel like the the trauma from that right now. And so Rachel gets up. Yeah, crap. She runs runs out of the room holding Luke. (laughs) I mean, if this girl knew what she was getting when she signed up to marry me. I had a clue. (laughs) Get rid of that era, Brito. Yeah, so anyway, uh, lots of problems. I think the most impressive thing about you, Easy, is that you're not in an insane asylum. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's the miracle of it all. That'd empty it out if you got it. (laughs) It would. All right, friends. This comment. Uh, We going to give attribution for the friends friends oh yeah well you know years ago there was a guy named warren duffy he was on uh the, what the name station of his program uh, duffy and the night duffy and friends or duffy no, and friends someone? that's yeah. right not duffy and the night yeah and <laughs> duffy and, the night. and uh ray you went on with him a few times i went with you to his studios but he was on it was one of the most popular shows but he would always say all right friends yes so that kind of influenced And me. he's the one that said... You know, friends. If you see a cop, a, a traffic officer next to you, say, I'm praying for you. <laughs> With your finger That's like a gun. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so I think it somehow got into my mind, but it's mine now. Frowns. <laughs> Here we have a comment from... Uh, Oscar, you sent me who it's from. Can you look it up so I remember to mention at the end? I never fully understood how to live for Christ until I started listening to you guys. The newfound passion and worshipful fear I have for the Lord is something I never thought I'd experience. You guys hold me accountable in every aspect, and I'm never... I've never even met you. I've shared you guys with everyone I know, and then some, and you've helped me become less fearful of sharing Christ and with the world. At the moment, I'm working on finding where God wants me, and while it's definitely a long, scary process, it's fulfilling. I just want you guys to know I'm praying for you and your podcast and the lives you're changing as well. Also, easy. You need to stop talking about food on the podcast. It makes work difficult. And Thank you, Lena. It's from Lena. Thank you, Lena. Hamburgers, hot dogs. No, not hot dogs. Wiener schnitzel? Ah. In fact, you know, Mark ruined a perfectly wonderful conversation last night. We had at this great event. We showed our movie, What Is It?, at a, at a wonderful church, and it was great. We were talking, and next thing I hear, oh, what would you like, sir? Oh, sorry, easy, one second. Uh, two <laughs> chili cheese. Oh, that's Did right. you really order two chili cheese? Yeah, we were at an event last night, and I was on the way home, and I was driving by a winter schnitzel, and I went, wow. I you went? Back. Everybody's got time for two chili cheese dogs. Yeah. That's, that's my motto. You Dis- pulled in? So I pulled in, and it was like the most ghetto of ghetto areas. Burgers, or dogs it, were still good, though, huh? It, well, it was, ah. it was pretty amazing. The buns were, uh, it, was, it was a mess, Wait. and it tasted so <laughs> yes. great. Yeah. So, oh, it tasted great. So, but I pull off to the side, and my, my wife calls me up, and she's all, 
where are you? Because she <laughs> follows me on uh, so Life360. My wife does that too. Where uh, are you? And she's, well, it's easy. Just look over your head and we're looking for you. <laughs> I'm there and I'm eating these chili cheese dogs. I turn the light off inside my car and I'm just looking in the mirrors everywhere waiting to get jumped. It was like the worst <laughs> neighborhood imaginable. It would so, have been nice. Actually, if you got jumped, it would have been good because you would have associated the, the Wiener Schnitzel with getting jumped and you would have never eaten it again. So this is a lesson to those that write in and request something special. Please don't talk about food and straight away <laughs> we'll talk about food. Yeah, well, but she's not going to be bothered by Wiener Schnitzel. Uh, I'm actually hungry. Can yeah. Winter Schnitzel send us some gift cards? In and oh, out, and Winter Schnitzel send stop. us gift cards. Enough of this. We All right, Fran. And don't forget the Living Waters mug, where you don't have to put any chili cheese fries, whatever. What are they? Cheese dogs in it. The Evidence Study Bible, all at livingwaters.com. Side note, I went on a hunting trip with an executive for in and out and I told him about how many In-N-Out gift cards you give out, and he was so excited. He was like, I'm going to go back and tell everybody at the office because he just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Wow. It's like 19,000 in the last year? few years. No, in the last few years. 19, Yesterday. 000. Yes. Last yeah. month? I asked, yeah, no, not last month. I asked them to say, how many have I got from you? 19,000? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to text right now. <laughs> that is crazy, Ray. All right, friends. Uh, yeah. We did the, oh, okay, yeah, and um, uh, oh, yeah. now we just have the topic again. <laughs> How to be a godly gentleman. I like that word. Godly? Gentleman. Gentleman. <laughs> totally disassociated from you three, but it is a real word that carries with it a lot of connotations. But I, I must say at the outset that gentlemanly conduct has almost become a thing of the past. Uh, I can't tell you guys how much it grieves me to see how many young men are seriously like totally clueless to what it means to be a gentleman. Ray Comfort. If a woman walked into the studio now, would you stand up or just sit there? love to give things away we love to give things away and that's why we will do that every single day here on the living waters podcast that's right friends we're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form we are giving 10 believe it or not 10 different people each week Goodies from Living Waters, a $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Um, I think it would be proper etiquette. If it was my wife? Uh-huh. I would jump after and give her a <laughs> Proper etiquette would be, uh, you know, to, to stand up for women and men, especially when greeting people. And we're going to talk about different well, I points have to do that. of etiquette. <laughs> you have to. You have no choice. Um, oh, to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't Otherwise see me. can't see you. But, but guys, let, let's just start here. That's a good place I was thinking of moving to Kansas. good place to begin. But yeah, um, gentlemanly conduct. Uh, now, let me say as well that, of course, uh, there are cultural elements that no question dictate some of these things. 
And uh, we'll talk about it in, in the next podcast we're going to do because we're going to talk about something that, that sort of was within this realm as well. You're not going to say that it's the etiquette? <laughs> there it goes, on etiquette. That's the next podcast. But yeah, so there are things that are, are cultural, no question. But this all ties into our witness as believers. And I think there are some things, of course, that cross over into biblical principles. But why do you guys think this is so lacking? Is it because culture is changing? And maybe I'm just looking at it and saying, oh, well, you know, these things are things we should keep because that's what I know and I'm familiar with and you guys as well. Or, or, or and or, it doesn't have to be just, you know, that it's one or the other, but, but, but the, does it also include parents no longer proactively training their kids in these things where we've just become looser? Uh, Boy, I, I have the same question, Easy. I mean, I could be, I'm utterly confused because w- when you become a Christian, everything changes. You, you want to esteem the people around you more than yourselves. You want to open up doors. You want to prefer other people. It's just the way of Christianity. So when, when I hear the word gentleman, I also think of the word Christianity. Mm. They, they, they go hand in hand. So I'm confused as well as to why this is lacking in today's society. Yeah. Well, it's because godliness is lacking in today's society. Mm. Um, Jesus was the ultimate consummate gentleman. Yes. Wow. It, it just think of him with a woman at the, the woman at the well, the gentleness, and, and the woman caught in the act of adultery, mm. lifting her up. You know, Ray, uh, for years and years, when we would open air preach and someone would cuss, you would say, there are women and children present. And, well, <laughs> I'm wondering if we should get into that one where <laughs> you got beat up. But Mike, T- Mike Tyson's Mike Tyson's sister. It was. Mike Tyson's sister. <laughs> tell the story, Ray. Really? I've told it before on the podcast. Tell it again. There are new, there are new listeners. There's about 30 or 40 people at Santa Monica on Friday night. And while I was preaching, a woman uh, called out the F word referring to me twice. And I said, Madam, can you watch your language? There are ladies present. <laughs> and that got her irate. She says, I am a lady. I said, you may be a... No, she said, I'm a woman. Or am I blowing it? I am a what lady. What is a woman? I'm a lady. I'm a lady. And she said, uh, I'm a lady. So you may be a woman, but you're not a lady. And with that, she ran at me like a bat out of heaven and started <laughs> to beat me up. I think she got in six punches. And the, the reason she got in so many punches is the team let her go because she says, let me get my hand back. And she got a good kidney punch. And, but, um, that Did was it my, hurt, right? No, not really until the next day. I couldn't get out of bed. The soreness. <laughs> What are you laughing at, Spence? You were trapped in your hole. It, it, it That's made... <laughs> I spent 20 minutes trying to call up the side. Um, that was before the days of the hole. Um, but it made me uh, empathize with um, boxers. You know, you see them in a ring doing ten round of 10 rounds, hitting the face 100 times, yeah. and they're swollen up, and you think, man, the next day they're going to feel it. That's the adrenaline, right? That yeah, kind of blocks the yeah. pain in the moment. Yeah, so it didn't really hurt when she was punching me, but she was like Mike Tyson's sister. But yeah, I've used that a lot when someone cusses, so yeah. women and children present. And yeah. sometimes people, their conscience hits them and say, yeah, I'm sorry. Now, I'm wondering, in, in this day and age, would that be considered offensive? There are women and children, like you're distinguishing women. Okay, like there are things in the crowd. <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> yeah. But what do you guys think? Oscar, what do you think? Do you think it's, it's the, the change of the culture? Or is it that parents aren't training their kids? Is it both? I think it's a cultural change. Uh, I'm about halfway through a book right now called After Virtue. Uh, mm-hmm. And the author argues that throughout the process of the Enlightenment into modern society that we've changed our 
historical na- uh, narrative, which is influencing our understandings of morals in virtue. And, and I think that a gen- being a gentleman is a virtue, right? It's like a trait, a disposition from men to women. And if you think about what is the, what is the cultural narrative right now, it's an overemphasis that men and women, there, there should be less and less of a distinguishing difference between yeah, the two. That's true. And when you say that there is, a, there is no longer a distinguishing difference, then you remove the opportunity to be a virtuous man towards women. Why should I open the door if, it's not, if, if a woman should be treated, to be treated no different? Why should I walk on the side of the street and put her on the inside to keep her safe? Why should I make sure that they are cared for, that they get their food for Etc. 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 When you remove that narrative that we are created as men to care for, to admire, to um, hold up and esteem women in our lives, mm. then all of a sudden you lose the virtue of being a gentleman, and I think that's what's happening in society today. Wow, that's so true. And and I think that it's a detriment to society. And, oh yeah, absolutely. because in a big way, you know, I heard someone comment on this and, and they, they said some pretty, I think, interesting and enlightening things. But when men are weakened, when their role as leaders and as protectors is diminished, then women end up suffering for mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. because they're not protected as they ought to be. And I'm sorry, but it, it it's idiotic for anyone to try to pretend that men and women are not different, and especially that men on the average are not stronger than women mm-hmm. and, and are not designed in such a way that they are geared to be protectors. And so it's a tragedy. And Mark, we've seen it to where I would say women, unfortunately, have drifted more into kind of the crass territory uh, than before because um, we're talking about being gentlemen, but being ladylike. That may be another podcast, but but being ladylike is almost going out the window. Yes, I, I would I would agree with that. You know, let, let me let's sidetrack here just a little bit. I would I would define I think a gentleman and a biblical manhood as one and the same, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that we're we're trying to bring a distinguishing factor between, not even intentionally perhaps uh, between the two, but I think that they go hand in hand. Absolutely, and if we're going to talk about what a Christian manhood, what Christian manhood looks like, let's throw out some terms, mm-hmm. right? And that would include being a protector mm-hmm. of yeah. the family. That'd be a provider of the family. It would be one who controls his appetites, mm-hmm. right? That, that is not quickly given over to uh, things that he shouldn't, or an overindulger of foods, or overindulger of fill-in-the-blank. There's self-control attached to biblical manhood, to a gentleman inside of uh, the public, or even in private. Uh, so he needs to lead his family. Yeah. A gentleman will lead his family uh, with uh, devotions, will lead his family in the rising up and the sitting down. He'll lead his family uh, when there need to be leading. So let, let's let's make sure that we're synonymous in the midst That's of that. Good. When it comes to a woman, uh, yeah, I, I think that um, by and large, it has to do with the lack of biblical manhood and leading. So women are uh, beginning to uh, attempt to lead themselves. And remember, that's what Eve attempted to do. Right yeah. to try to usurp the authority of the man inside of her life and try to lead, and that's part of the fall of man. That she will always try to rise up against the man, against her husband, and be that leader when she should be in submission to good leadership. Oh. So 
let's be careful. That's good. Yeah. I think in the midst of that, uh, we also have a tremendous opportunity as Christian in the midst of our, our, um, our homes and our churches to be gentle, to be gentlemen's in the way in which we view women, yes, uh, both in the church and outside the church, which is that there are so many people who view women as like, well, their responsibility is to take care of the children and to clean up the dishes, period, end of story. But women are created in God's image. They are, they are to be uh, respected and admired. And so uh, like as a practical example, they should be invited to the theological table. Why not invite them to robust theological conversations? Uh, something that I admire about a group of friends that I'm a part of is we'll be sitting down by the fireside having a conversation. And it's not like the guys are over here having conversations about theology and the women are over there washing dishes. No, no, no. It's mixed in. It's all together. The women are, are telling us about the commentaries that they're reading. The, the guys are telling us, you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's, a, it's a robust understanding of womanhood and then admiring that in a way that draws it mm. out of them. Yeah. And Ray, I, I want to ask you this, you know, society has such a, an influence on the way that people think on their perspective on what is good, what is bad. And scripture talks about good being called evil and evil good. Today, it seems like so many of these uh, celebrities, especially these musicians, you know, sometimes you get these celebrities that like Justin Bieber is an example or Miley Cyrus or, you know, others that were part of like the Mickey Mouse Club and they were wholesome and clean. It's almost like their handlers tell them to do some scandalous things so that they can get in trouble and change their image. And it seems like the world has created a new appetite for the younger generation of women to be attracted to these guys that are just absolute nightmares. The way they live and the, the, the way they act and the things they do, don't you think? Yeah, I like the choice of words. You didn't say uh, they're managers, but you said they're handlers, like they're handling beasts ah. or dogs or something, because there's no ethics for us. I, I love the way you called this podcast, How to Be a Godly Gentleman, ah. because there is such a thing as ungodly gentlemen. I saw a quote that just took me back when I was researching this, and it made me just think for a minute of the hidden motive and the wickedness of the human heart. A gentleman, as uh, they said, a gentleman is a patient wolf. Hmm. Do you know what that means? Oh, yeah. A gentleman is a patient. Well, that's speaking of godlessness. Yeah. How you'll see a man take a woman out to a restaurant and be an absolute gentleman. It's a New York restaurant, very expensive. Hmm. What is actually happening is it's, it's respectable prostitution. The Dang. pimp is the restaurant. Wow. It's receiving payment for services that are going to be given to the gentleman. Wow. And it really shows the human heart is deceitfully yeah. wicked. And when you're a godly gentleman, there's no ulterior motive whatsoever. No. You know, it's just because you respect, well, you love God and you respect the woman. Amen. So good. Yeah. And, and I like, Mark, what you highlighted as well, that you cannot separate someone who's a gentleman from someone who, who is a godly man or, or, you know, who's fulfilling biblical manhood. They're one and the same. They, they interrelate. I wanted to, to kind of nuance this and focus a little more on some of the traits that are in keeping with a godly gentleman. And I, I think scripture touches on a few different things that, that I'd like us to explore. Uh, one of those is Proverbs 19.22 that says, what is desired in a man is kindness. And I think that this is something that we don't give a lot of thought to. And I think that because of the shift in culture today, it's like there's this term, he's soft. 
right? Mm. That guy's soft, you know, or because he he he's kind, <laughs> you know, he he treats people with kindness, and so I love the way that's phrased in the proverb. What is desired in a man is kindness. You know, I remember the movie, which I wouldn't recommend today. And I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or not, but back in the day, Schindler's List. What was displayed through Schindler's life in that he became a man who was given over to kindness in such an extreme sense of wanting to save lives. And we'll, we'll touch on that more specifically. But there's something in us that resonates with, with kindness demonstrated by a human being. There's something in us that says that is right and that is good. And so I think that today, Oscar, we're seeing a generation that is reveling in the opposite. Mm. The videos that we see of, of young kids beating up homeless people. Dude. You know, or mocking. That's so infuriating. Mocking people. I remember seeing this one video, her name was, <sighs> uh, I think the lady's name was Karen. She was like the bus monitor. And these kids were just absolutely destroying her with their words, mocking her, laughing. And she just sat there in tears. She was probably in her 70s, mm -hmm. you know? And so speak to that. Matt, you know what? Those videos infuriate me. And uh, I, I specifically, I had a pretty abusive stepfather at one point in time. I think, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before, but he would, he, he was like grooming me to be a street fighter. Wow. You know, he, he, I mean, it's a reason why I got into so many fights growing up is, is cause I thought that that's what it meant to be a man. And I remember specifically, like he would sit me down and watch, have me watch and please don't look this up, but there's videos on VHS called faces of death. Do you remember those? No. They were videos back then of people killing people. What? There was videos of like, uh, homeless people fighting. I mean, this is before the internet, homeless people fighting of death. And, and wow. he would have me watch them because he thought it was hilarious. Oh my goodness. Um, and, and I, you know, you fast, that was an extreme in the moment because it wasn't available. It was, it was available to some. And unfortunately I was exposed to it. The difference between then and now is that it's everywhere on the internet. Yeah. And, right. and the other difference is that for so many people, the vast majority of their experience is communicating with people online mm -hmm. and it removes a human aspect, human element. And so they use, you know, foul language and words and offensiveness in ways because there's a lack of human experience when you communicate to people online like that. And then they remove themselves from the internet and then they face the bus driver and they bring that same disposition. You know, that's one of the reasons why bullying is on the rise yeah. where abusive behavior like this and man, it's, it's so toxic and it's so terrible. But let me say this to any specifically, as we're talking about being a gentleman to anybody out there, who's the kindest guy who, who would think to themselves, I would never do that. I'm the kind of guy that will open the door for a stranger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It also matters the way you treat your wife and your children at home when no one else is looking. Mm, because if you're not a gentleman in the home, when it's just you and your wife, when it's just you and your children, then you're not a gentleman on the streets. Yeah. It starts there. Yeah. As I've said often, the thing I quote a lot, who we are in private when we're most comfortable, least self-conscious, and there's no one to impress. That is who we are. And the reason the why I bring that up, by the way, sorry, real quick, because right. I just realized I didn't circle it back. The stepfather that I had, if you ever met him, he would leave the room and you'd be like, that is the nicest guy I've ever met. Wow. What a gentleman. 
but at home he was a monster. And oh. so that's that's why that's what I I think of. There are so many people that are so kind on the street, but lack gentleness in the home. Yeah. Well, Ray, you were going to say touching of the hat. That's mm. something that's been forgotten. But if you mm. go back to old movies, anytime oh, yeah. a woman just a touch of the hat and it's saying, <laughs> I acknowledge that you are a female and you're respected and and I and I care about you. That's it's good. just beautiful. Yeah. If I had a hat, I'd touch it, but I don't wear a hat. <laughs> we need to get you a cowboy hat, right? <laughs> yeah, I had one or a sombrero. We Ooh. had one for the television program. It's the only hat that's ever. Where is it? Me. I can't. I don't I, I cut it up. I threw it away. I cut it up. What? I cut it up. You cut it up? Why? Why? I was experimenting. Handkerchief? Well, no, no. My dog was scratching, and um, (laughs) I saw where you could put a hat on a dog, a cowboy hat, instead of one of those cone horrible things that stick up, and they look like a a bark amplifier. I thought, I need a cowboy hat. Couldn't get one, so I cut a hole in that. Did it work? Yeah, it did. It did? Yeah. I mean, she went riding off on a horse, no scratching. (laughs) (laughs) Ray, can you ever, like, not fulfill an idea you get? No, I run with it. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, so kindness. Yeah. Gentleness. Yeah, gentleness. It's the fruit of the spirit. That's all it is. Yeah. Love. Uh, another element, too, I think, that would be good for us another to touch elephant? on. Another elephant. Um, Nipple cover. Uh, first, okay, we better explain that. <laughs> it's come up through like three different okay, times. Okay, I, I, when Rachel and I were first married, I had my first sleepwalking talking episode. We were newlyweds. And I had a dream of an elephant. And you know, like... <laughs> you know, we, we should really change the name of this episode. I know. You know, you know baby bottles? How there's, like the, there's this plastic cover for the nipple that goes on. Well, I, I was dreaming that the elephant had a cover on its nipples. It was a mother elephant nurse. nurse I don't know, whatever. And then, then I swallowed it. That was my <laughs> What dream. is wrong with I you? I swallowed dude? it. And I was choking on it. And I got up and <laughs> poor Rachel, she, she couldn't sleep. She was sitting in the living room. We're newlyweds. She's reading her Bible like three in the morning, I don't know. And I come out and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm reading my Bible. She's like, who is this monster that I married? And I'm like, and I start gagging. I'm like, ah, what's wrong? I swallowed an elephant's nipple cover. <laughs> That's what it's about. Yes, Ray. I'm getting the interpretation now. <laughs> yes, here it is. You're gullible and you'll swallow anything. <laughs> nice. That's it. That's good. Anyway, that, that resolves that. But, but no, it doesn't. no, it doesn't. No, way. no it doesn't. <laughs> it's caused big so problems. So many questions. Yes. That's caused more problems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're just done milking it for all it's worth. Yeah. I did tell her to call 911 too. <laughs> you did? I did. Um, okay. So, uh, was that same episode? Yeah. Was that same? Yeah. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the other thing I think that a gentleman does is he protects a woman's purity mm-hmm. yep. and guards her from himself. 1 Corinthians 7, 1, now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And that speaks to, you know, causing, uh, you know, in a a sexually arousing way. And Mark, you and I, you know, we both have older daughters, Oscar's daughter's younger. Ray, you have a daughter that I married, but we we as... Why didn't you use the word older? You as dad, we as dads, Mark, we as dads, Mark, oh man. We as dads, Mark? We as dads... Yeah, we as dads, Mark, uh, with with daughters, y'all, y'all, daughters. More, more recently, uh, you know, getting into relationships, we understand the importance of young men uh, protecting our daughters' purity. And do you think because I'm I'm seeing this as a big problem too? Do you think this is also a lack of fathers 
intentionally training their daughters because I've had talks mm. with young men who have been in relationships with my daughter about protecting their purity, but I've also talked to my sons with as much passion about protecting the purity of other men's daughters. Yeah, you see these macho men in the world who allow their uh, their boys to do anything. They're sowing the wild oats. Boys will be boys. Mm. And then when it comes to their daughter, right, they're cleaning their shotgun when a boy comes over to uh, take them out. Mm. And I think that there is uh, some hypocrisy that has taken place there. And what has really happened amongst my girls, as my girls have grown up and shown interest in the opposite sex, is it's caused me to want to go back to my boys mm. and to pour into my boys and to have uh, make sure my boys' speech are seasoned with salt. Mm-hmm. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 says that you put off childish things, no. that there are stages of life perhaps, and maybe it uh, demonstrates in, in a different way, at a different stage, and it looks differently. But uh, we should always be thinking about how we can put off childish things. We enter into the kingdom as a child. It speaks of a simplicity, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't mean we're childish. Yeah. We need to put off childish behavior, childish conversation. That's not to say we're not to joke, we're not to dance, we're not to laugh, we're not to have fun. You could even play games, you know, whatever that may be. As we look at the qualifications of an elder or a deacon, and I think that these are good qualifications just as biblical manhood, right? These are a starting point, not an ending point. This is not a ceiling. This is the floor. This is where we begin. And as we look at First Timothy chapter 3, it says, Now the overseer, he must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, and he must manage his own family well. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Mm. This is not saying, is there one among us that can fulfill these qualities? Oh, there's only one among us. Okay, so this person is now an overseer, a bishop, a, a pastor, a teacher. But, but rather, this is a starting point. And it's, remember, God's not looking for someone who is sinless. Perhaps you're sinning less, you know, than when you first became a, a Christian. Yeah. But there's one, it's a recognition of I can't, but you can. It's a continual person who says, you know, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Yeah. And we consider the deacon, right? Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. These are a very good definition, a starting point, remember, not an ending point, a good ground level to begin of what a gentleman looks like. This is what a godly person, what a Christian looks like. So when my daughter comes to me and says that I'm looking for a man, I'm really thinking of someone who fulfills the qualifications of an elder or deacon, and then it causes me to be introspective. Am I like this? Are my boys like Mm. this? Am I leading in the way that I should lead? And then I want to lead well, perhaps a future son-in-law. That's good. Yeah. I like that, Mark, looking at what scripture has given us as a high standard and asking ourselves, well, why not? You know, why not look for those qualities? I mean, those are good godly qualities and attributes. I think Vody Bauckham wrote a book the title is uh, What He Must Be If He Wants to Marry My Daughter. And uh, there's some good stuff in there. And I, I love, 
getting young men thinking in that direction, you know, beginning with the end in mind and saying, how am I going to work toward that? You know, Ray, you mentioned uh, gentleness. I love First Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Uh, and I love that, like in the same way Mark touched on elders and deacons, I think this is referencing who we are as ambassadors for Christ and representatives to the world, but these things should overflow into every area of our lives. But how important is that, that gentleness and that, that attitude of respect? It's huge because daily I meet young girls that don't even look like girls anymore. They've got mm-hmm. rings through their nose and tattoos, heads half shaven and all this. Yeah. And they're usually listening to the earphones, and I have to stop them and say, can I talk to you for a minute? Would you like to go on YouTube? And I look on that as a, even if I don't get them on camera, as a, an opportunity to show them gentleness they've probably hardly ever seen wow. in their life from a male. Wow. Mm. Um, That's good. And it's sometimes the, the interaction is only for 30 seconds to a minute. I just say, uh, we've got a YouTube channel, a lot of views. Would you like to go on? I ask people if they think there's an afterlife. Yeah. Do you think there's an afterlife? And they go, quiet. I say, what's your name? So-and-so. So, do you think there's an afterlife? And they say, um, oh, I don't know. I say, you think about much? And they say, yeah. So everyone does just quietly in their heart, but we never talk about it, do we? Mm. And just by showing gentleness, and then when I end up by saying, they say, I don't want to go and I'm shy. So well, here's an in and out card for you anyway. It's just huge. You see yeah. their eyes light up. They look at me like I've given them a, a Lamborghini or something. Wow. And it's because they're not shown godly gentleness mm. from the world. Wow. They're just something to be conquered. It's so good, right? Man, you know, it reminds me of like, you'll hear people say this sort of thing in different contexts, but they'll say, I almost lost hope in humanity. And then I saw this, you know, you'll see that sometimes on videos. And it's like, um, obviously, of course, we know man has fallen and broken, but but I think there are those glimmers of being made in the image of God, you know, and and God's law being written upon people's hearts where there are times their conscience begins to to affect them and they do things that are in keeping with righteousness, you know? And I'm just imagining a young lady who, like you said, has probably experienced one abusive man after the other, maybe beginning with her own father. Mm-hmm. And then to see, you know, someone who who's a father type figure come in. An older man, I don't know. Okay, mind. an old man. Thank you. Methuselah. An old man coming to her. But you know, just showing that that warmth. I mean, seriously, that could be the glimmer that God uses. And and again, ultimately it, we, the gospel must be preached. But I think the Lord can take little things like that and create and openness that can lead a person to hearing the gospel. In the well, city. I always, before I do anything or say anything, I say, um, got a YouTube channel and I hand them the, the our YouTube card with the dog on it on the front mm. and I just hold it so they have to take it. Yeah. So now they've got it in their hand. So when they feel the warmth and love and kindness, I know there's something in their hand plus that gift card that's going to make them say, I'll check this out. Oh, that's so good. So I often I'll go to the local college, takes a, it's uh, 10 minutes to get there, 10 minutes to get back and I don't get anyone on camera, but I get a lot of people going through the same scenario I've just yeah. mentioned to you, which is maybe more effective than even getting yeah. them on camera. I love it. Oscar, humility, uh, Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit 
will retain honor. And I think that's an honorable element when you say in gentlemen that there's humility. Yeah, I know why you're asking me is because I'm like the most humble person. I was going to say, why are you choosing Oscar? Because I'm hoping he'll get convicted. (laughs) (laughs) You know what else? Uh, I think what what goes into, like practically, how do I know I'm being humble towards the women in my life when I prioritize them? Mm. You know, when my wife feels like she's prioritized over the dog my boys the dog the guys in my life when my wife knows I, this is an important one i want my wife and my kids to know that my wife comes before my children yeah that's really important to me like one of the things that's really valuable to me is that my kids do not respect my disrespect my wife mm. uh, that is a hot like that is a very high standard they know that there's going to be a major consequence if you ever disrespect my wife. And I say it like that too. You're not disrespecting your mom in that moment. You're disrespecting my wife. Yeah. And you can yeah. say, I chose her. I didn't choose you. <laughs> you just came along. Yeah. You're the additive. Yeah. Uh, but that's important. You know, if I'm at a social event and my wife is nearby and she wants my attention, she gets it. It's yeah. important. I think, I think the way you stay humble amongst the women in your life is that you prioritize them mm-hmm. uh, above your own desires, above your own self. Yeah, that's good. Mark, I, I alluded to this earlier, but John fifteen thirteen, greater love has no one than this and to lay down one's life for his friends, love and sacrifice in a gentleman. Yeah, it's, it's weird because there's something hidden there that uh, we don't think through. Because while we were yet his enemies, he died for us. He didn't die for us as his friends. Mm. We were his enemies at the time. Yet John fifteen thirteen it says, "There's no no greater love than this, and one to lay down his life for his friends." Mm. You know, I in preparing for this uh, podcast, I came across this really interesting story about uh, Charles Spurgeon, mm. and it said uh, five young college students were spending a Sunday in London, so they went to hear the famed C.H. Spurgeon preach. While waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man who asked, gentlemen, let me show you around. Would you like to see the heating plant of this church? Well, they weren't particularly interested for it was a hot day in July, but they didn't want to offend the stranger, so they consented. The young men were taken down a stairway. A door was quietly opened and their guide whispered, this is our heating plant. Surprised, the students saw 700 people bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin in the auditorium above. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself. It was none other than Charles Spurgeon. Goosebumps. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, a gentleman is one who recognizes that all that he has is from God, mm. that God has opened up his hand and he has satisfied the desire of every living creature. And as a child of God, Everything we have belongs to him. What is a gentleman? A gentleman is one who looks to the Lord, who is relying upon God. And that's demonstrable through prayer. That is demonstrable through when praise comes that person's way to give glory and honor back to God. A gentleman is one, finally, who seeks the glory of God and not his own. By the way, for those who don't know context, Charles Spurgeon, uh, Metropolitan Tabernacle, Spurgeon was the janitor. (laughs) <laughs> Very eloquent janitor. Uh, that's good, Mark. And, you know, I, I think, too, we can't forget the heroic spirit in the gentleman. Proverbs twenty four eleven: deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. Hmm. You know, a man is willing to get into the thick of the fight to, to rescue others, to speak on behalf of, for example, the unborn, 
uh, who have no voice, uh, who are willing to, to take a stand on behalf of those that, that are persecuted for the sake of the gospel, for those that, that are mistreated who may even be sinful, wretched people, but they see them being abused and they get in the way. I mean, it's a beautiful thing and it coincides with the heart of, of our Savior. And there's so much more that could be said. But I would say also, uh, gentlemen, chivalry, looking at the cultural norms that convey to women and to children and to the elderly uh, and others that they mean something to us. Hmm. And yeah, it is cultural. In another culture, what you might do here in America might be offensive in, in, in that culture. You know, I mean, seriously, like and here, if you tip, that demonstrates to someone that you are caring and you, you're thoughtful. You do, that in, <laughs> you do that in Japan, right, Mark? We've been there together. They get offended. You're not supposed to do it. So, this, so of course, that there is some relative element to those things. But we know in our culture, in our country, what conveys to a woman, to children, to the elderly, to others, they're important, they're significant. We need to learn those chivalrous towards sorts of things in our culture and practice them for the sake of love, for the sake of care, for the sake of the gospel. We should uh, do an episode on how to honor God through good etiquette. <laughs> next, next time. Next. By the way, I, I heard a preacher one time say, he's like, you know, you, you talked about like dying for your wife. And guys would be like, oh, I, of course I would take a bullet for my wife. And then he stops and he goes, but you won't take out the trash for her in the middle of the football game. <laughs> That's right. Ooh, exactly. Well, friends, there you have it. Me and my fellow gentlemen here hopefully have encouraged you. The three of us. Yeah, the three of us. And that you have uh, been stirred to pursue this. And uh, don't forget, friends, uh, think on these things devotional. I think I mentioned it. No, maybe I didn't. I can't remember now. Anyway, make sure to check it out at podcast. No, at livingwaters.com. Don't forget the Living Waters mug and the Evan Study Bible. And don't forget your comments and thoughts and all kinds of things at podcast at livingwaters.com. Ray, what is that? Why are you I like that you're picture? whispering into the microphone. Oh. Ray right now is just all, I'm all, what is that? He goes, Paris. Hey, yeah, the auditorium in Paris where we're going to go for the Olympics to preach the gospel. All right, friends, thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast. Oscar's lift. Oh, good. The ultimate <laughs> cure for insomnia. <laughs> no, no, do do what you do your proper snore. <laughs>